You're about to listen to a message from the LifePoint Church, a warm and friendly home for the young at heart. Lift your two hands to Jesus this morning. Our Father, we thank you for your presence here. We are not gathered to a man, we are gathered to you. The giver of all good gifts, Father of all spirit. God of the hands of the earth, we thank you. Thank you for the gift of life. And thank you for the joy that we can feel in this atmosphere. In your presence is fullness of joy. And at your right hand, pleasures forevermore. As we teach your word this morning, let your power rest upon it. Reveal ourselves to us. Reveal yourself to us. Let somebody understand where he or she is in the journey of destiny. Help us to see that you are working the walk with us. That we may gain boldness to live our lives the way you have proposed for us to live it. We thank you because the joy of your presence is taking away the spirit of heaviness from somebody here today. We arrest every contrary emotion everything contrary to the move of your spirit and the supply of your spirit. We hold them bound in the name of Jesus. And we declare that your word will have a free course here. Thank you for healing in our physical bodies, healing in our emotions. Thank you for lives transformed here today in Jesus' precious name. Somebody shout a believing amen. Put your hands together, celebrate Jesus as we have your sick. Okay, um, I know you like it in darkness, but can I request for the light so I can see some beautiful faces? Yeah. Is it possible? Will you oblige me? Okay, I just want to see some beautiful faces, that's all. Yeah. I can see some wonderful faces, good people. Why are you hiding them from me? <laughs> Let me smile, to you. smile at your neighbor. Smile at your neighbor. Just tell your neighbor it's good to see beside you. You know, I was just teaching them um, at, the, uh, at the Elevation Church Island Center that one of the easiest ways to practice seed, time, and harvest is to smile. When you're in a good environment, you harvest within two seconds. In a very harsh environment, it may take a longer time because you have to try. So smile at your neighbor. Let's see whether this is a good place. Smile at your neighbor and see if you have something. If your neighbor is not smiling back at you, change your seat. <laughs> praise God. I said, praise God. All right, it's good to be here. And thank you, Pastor Idris, for that, those generous words. And to all of our ministers here, thank you for the great work that you're doing. And the time that we have together in the next 40, 45 minutes, I want to speak to the subject of ordering your inner world, ordering your inner world, ordering your inner world. I'm speaking to this subject because I believe it's very important to helping you to manage your life and invariably managing your emotions. We are all bundles of emotions waiting to be unleashed and we can live a life that is temperate, if I can put it that way. 
The Bible talks about the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5, when you read from verse 22. So the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, uh, uh, patience, uh, you know, perseverance, kindness, you know, and all that. Listed all those fruits of the Spirit. And the workings of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer is first and foremost to take hold of our emotions, turn it around, and to engender the kind of emotions that can lead to fulfillment in life. You cannot be consistently unhappy, angry with yourself, and angry with how you look, and angry with where you walk, and angry with your immediate family, and make remarkable progress in life. Those two things don't work together. So if you learn to order your inner world, it means that you're going to evolve into a bundle of positive emotions. The kind of person who can celebrate where you are on the way to where you are going. Who is not limited by the things happening around you. Those are not the things that determine or dictate the kind of emotion that you embrace per time. It starts from getting the strength to order your inner world. Because the Bible says as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Yeah. Every journey in life is first and foremost an internal journey before it becomes an outward journey. We say that everything is created twice, including a good life. Can I say that one more time? Everything is created twice, including a good life. Let me buttress what I'm saying. The house that you live in right now, if nobody made a plan for that house, it's a bad place. Don't live there again. Yeah. Any house without a drawing, without architectural drawing, you know, and all that, it's not a good place to live. Am I saying the truth? Because it can come down anytime. It means they just put something together. Yeah. No architectural drawing, no structural drawing. The house may come down anytime. It, pre- it, it, it then means that each thing, each object, each a house is created twice. First, in the mind of the architect and the owner of the house describing what he or she wants, and then we mobilize to site to make it in real life. First within and then without. That's how life is made. And I said, including a good life. A good life is first and foremost created in the heart and the mind of a person before you start to see it in real life. That's why, for instance, Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20, the Bible says, Now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask, think, or think according to his power that is working us. The New International Version says, Now unto him who is able to do immeasurably more that we can ask or imagine. So God expects me to be able to imagine, which is why I said, a good life plus every good thing is created twice, first within and then without. I have to see it inside, then I start to see it outside, I start to appreciate, it starts to, you know, come to fruition outside. Glory be to Jesus. I cannot hear your Hallelujah. All right, maybe you're not used to that here. It's sounding old school, right? It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. I'm going to get your flow very soon. I'm getting into it. So, 
ordering your inner world. Can you, can you, can you put that slide that shows my four parameters to ordering your inner world? To order your inner world, there are four essential parameters, and those are the things I'm speaking to today. Four essential parameters. One is intentions. Two is memory. Three is connections. And four is imagination. Those three, the four things are extremely important if you want to order your inner world. Extremely important if you want to order your inner world. Now, in Proverbs, Proverbs 25, when you read verse 27 and 28, it said, It is not good to eat much honey. So to seek one's own glory is not glory. Whoever has no rule over his own spirit is like a city broken down without walls. So whoever has no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down without walls. If I cannot order my inner world, my outer world will be a disaster. If I cannot order my inner world, my outer world will be filled with terrible emotions. I will be a terrible person to be around. I will be, you know, I will be a disaster going somewhere to happen. If I cannot order my inner world. Secondly, Proverbs chapter 4, verse, 20, uh, verse 23. It says, guard your heart above all else. That's New Living Translation. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. So ordering your inner world determines how your life will turn out. He said, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Avoid all perverse talk. Stay away from corrupt speech. Look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your faith from following evil. Ordering your inner world is key to ordering your life. Because all things are created twice. First within and then without. Including a good life. Can you let me look at your neighbor? Say, tell your neighbor like an instruction. It's time to order your inner world. So let's speak to the subject from the four perspectives. To order your inner world, where should we start from? Let's start from memory. Yeah. To order your inner world, you have to repair your memory. I know those words are not used together like that. Yeah. But I'm using those words so that you can, my communication can be straight to the point. You have to repair your memory. And repairing your memory will entail Again, four things. <laughs> Repairing your memory will entail this. One is repentance. Repentance. Repentance says, I repent of what I've done. When we talk about memory, there are two sources of pictures to a man. Two sources of picture. Those two are part of the four components of your inner world. One is memory, the other one is imagination. And all through the Bible, you see God talking about both memory and imagination. For instance, it says, remember not the former things. Forget the things of old, because I, I want to do a new thing. That's in the book of Isaiah. So, 
that God is saying, be careful how you treat your memory. The things you need to forget. You need to trust me to help you to forget. Yeah. If not, you continue to live in the past. Repairing your memory will demand that you repent. To repent means to turn around, to change direction. Yeah. I repent of what I've done. I'm not who I used to be. I'm not what I've done. Every day, I'm learning to be better. So I'm not going to be hooked on what I've done. What I've done in the past is not the greatest thing that defines me. What defines me is what I can see in my future. That's why I said there are two sources of picture. One is confined to the past. The second one focuses on the future. I'm going to get to imagination maybe when I ask, uh, ask the last thing as I'm rounding off. So, treating your memories well is a huge part of ordering your inner world. Dealing with your memories. Repairing your memories. And the first part of repairing your memory is repentance. I repent of what I've done. I'm not who those old pictures say I am. You know, for some of us, when you are in your own private corner and you think about crazy stuff that you have done, the devil keeps telling you, you are just a jackhead. He calls you any kind of name. And you too, you suck it in. And you say, it's true. Ah, whoever can do this crazy kind of thing. Person is just, is just a stupid person. And then you leave that corner feeling that you are stupid. Or a crazy guy or something like that. Yeah. Who hasn't done a crazy thing before? All of us have done crazy stuff. But the crazy stuff of the past should not define our future. In fact, the crazy stuff of my past doesn't even have power over me today, let alone my future. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. Because I've decided to honor my, honor my inner world. Yeah. So in ordering your inner world, you have to repair, repair your memory. And repairing your memory, the first thing is repentance. The second thing is forgiveness. I forgive what you have done to me. Because when you play around your memory, you remember what you have done and you remember what people have done to you. Those are the things that mess up our emotions. I don't know if you are getting what I'm saying. And until we, re- we-, we make up our minds, we are going to repair those memories, we can't move forward. Yeah. So I'm not who I used to be. Grace is upon my life right now. I have the power of the Holy Spirit that is touching my life every day. The Bible says God is at work within me to will and to do of his good pleasure. On a daily basis, the path of the just, like shining light, it shines brighter and brighter. And I consider myself as a just. I've been made righteous in Christ Jesus after I gave my life to Jesus. So if you're here today, you've not given your life to Jesus, you need to do so. It's the beginning of the journey of empowerment to repair your memory. If not, those memories will hold you down. People have done things. I'm in my mid-40s now. Uh, I have friends who have done crazy stuff 20, 25 years ago when we were in our 20s, when we were teenagers. Some of them, when they, especially the ones that don't have power in Christ Jesus, who are not saved, some of those things still take them back. Yeah. So, you used to light up 25 years ago, smoke weed like there's no tomorrow. And then the devil still comes back after 20 years and say, you... And before you know it, the craving comes back. That's what I'm talking about. Except you repair your memory, you keep lapsing back into some of those funny stuff. 
For some of us, you know, the devil brings pictures of five years ago, six years ago, even the picture of last year. Even yesterday. Yesterday's picture is obsolete. Yeah. Yesterday is gone. There's nothing you can do about it. Whatever you did yesterday, you can undo. You can only move forward. That's the only part that is existing. Yeah. If you slap somebody yesterday, or you had a one-night stand last night, last night is gone. It's gone. The only responsibility that's on you right now is that if you feel that was the wrong thing to do, don't do it again. That's all. But you know, it's even much more crazy when it has happened far long ago. I mean, it's okay if you're still crying about what happened last night. But if you're you're crying about what happened on uh, February 20, what? What's today's date? 25th, right? 2010. That's eight years ago. And you still remember now, you're still crying. It means that you have refused to repair that memory. And it's still going to continue to disturb you. I hope you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. Thirdly, in repairing your memory, apart from repenting, apart from forgiving other people, is gratitude. I express thankfulness for everything. Everything. The Bible says, in all things give thanks, for this is the will of God for you. In everything. I look back today. My dad is now late. He was polygamous. At the point, he had four wives in the same house. It was not my fault that I had a terrible background, terrible upbringing. Because in that kind of house, if you don't want to fight, somebody will fight you. Yeah. Lying was a way of life. You can only survive if you lie. You can't survive if you're okay. Yeah. Because... <laughs> I don't want to waste your time with it, but it was uh, so. If um, after all these years, I can't still wake up in the morning and say, Lord, thank you. Thank you that I was not born to a nuclear family. <laughs> because somehow it has contributed to my life. If you are here, your parents are not together again. Wake up in the morning, all that talking about it, just thank God. Thank God. Thank God. Because there's nothing you can do about the past. You can only thank God about it. And if you can say a prayer, say a prayer. Lord, let your will be done in this situation. But for you to hold it, to allow it to hold you down, uh, for the devil to be telling you, you know how many things the devil told me after I got saved? You two, you are going to marry ten wives. You are going to do this. He said you are born again. Which born again? Can't you see your father? Can't you see his own father? You know how many wives? They, they change wives like rapper. You, you, you know, the devil was telling me all kinds of things. <laughs> when I started feeling a call to ministry, the devil told me, it's not people like you. You're going to mess up big time. That's what the devil told me. He said, you're going to mess up big time. They will chase you out of the church. Yeah. After you have impregnated many ladies. That was what the devil was telling me. I grew up, my wife having four ladies at home, I still followed him. Maybe we were having a long trip. We branch at his girlfriend's house. We can even pass the night at my father's girlfriend's house. Yeah. That's how I grew up. So I'm supposed to be a champion womanizer. As per DNA. (laughs) But thank God I have a different DNA. Because when any man is in Christ, he's a new creature. All things are passed away. So we repair memories. 
Are you still with me today? We'll repair the memories because old things have passed away. I'm not who I used to be. It's not about my biological DNA. I have a new DNA in Christ Jesus. Yeah. And I'll do well for myself if I decide to repair the memory. Repair the memory. So, repentance, forgiveness, gratitude. And last one, in repairing memories, gathered wisdom. Gathered wisdom. Gathered wisdom. I'm not talking about wisdom that is not constructed. Constructed, gathered wisdom. What is God saying through yesterday's events? That's how you gather wisdom. Yeah. What is God saying through yesterday's event? It's not enough to cry about yesterday's event. What are the learning curves? That's how we repair memory. You know, it's possible for something that's making somebody cry, make you laugh, because you've learned your lessons from it. That's why you can thank God for it. Yeah. That's why you can thank God for it. You gather wisdom from the events of the past. Consciously. Consciously. When anything happens to me now, what I do is, what are the three most important lessons I've learned from that? Yeah. When I have an unwholesome encounter with someone, I ask myself, what are the, the three most important lessons? If I can't get three, I should get two. At most, at, at worst case scenario, one. There has to be a kind of wisdom to receive from a past event. Past events are not supposed to hold us down. We're supposed to gather wisdom through them. So somebody say after me, I need to repair my memory through repentance, forgiveness, gratitude, and gathering wisdom. Glory be to Jesus. Very important that you allow this to seep in. The most important thing a church does is providing a place of repentance for people. Heaven hears the unblessed request of a repentant person. Yeah. The unblessed request of a repentant person. And that's why LifePoint exists here. For young adults to come together, celebrate repentance, celebrate forgiveness, and create a community where we can all do life together. Do life together. Repairing our memories. Yeah. And creating new memories. Awesome memories. You know, more wholesome memories. And awesome memories. That's why we're here. That's why you should be a part of, you know, of the small groups. That's where we create new memories. Yeah? That's where we create new memories. After I gave my life to Christ, I got myself some buddies. We do some fantastic stuff together in righteousness. And then I started to gather new memories. Yeah? If you've had bad friends before, when you are in Christ, you get a better version of them in Christ. And then gather them together and create new memories. Do life together. Nobody's supposed to walk alone. That's why you should be a part of a church like this, where you can get new bodies. Yeah. And walk, it, walk together. Do life together. Stop doing life with distractors, you know, and detractors of destiny and people who are not going the same path with you and who have not submitted to the same principles that you want to submit your life to. You keep generating unwholesome memories. That will distract you from the fulfillment of your destiny. Glory be to Jesus. Ordering your inner world will mean that you repair your memories and take charge of how you create memories. Yeah. Take charge of how you create memories. One of the joys of being married and being married for a long time is that marriage creates an opportunity for you to create memories. Yeah. The earlier days of my marriage was a bit rocky. 
But the moment we got it off on a good ground, then we started creating good memories. Today, heard the way we've hurt ourselves in the past, I let go of them. I don't want to remember them. Yeah, I want to remember how we were, you know, how we hung out. Yeah, in south of France and had fun for a whole week. That's what I want to remember. I want to remember, you know, how we, we can be just playful with each other and just, and just have fun. I want to remember how, you know, we, we, we took our kids, you know. I remember the first day I carried my second daughter in my hand. From that, from that small, I noticed that this girl is going to be tall. Yeah. And I saw that this, this tall jean is in my mother-in-law's jean. You know, our family were not really that tall. <laughs> you know, so those are the things. And then when my wife was still trying to come out of Anastasia, um, um, you know, um, we're already cracking joke that this guy is going to be tall like your mother, you know, and all that. Th- those are good memories. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to remember anything about, about my wife cursing me or me or anything like that. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't happen in our house anyway. Praise God. <laughs> Daily intentions. Number two, ordering your inner world. Intentions. When it comes to intentions and intentionality, one word is key. When it comes to intentionality, there's a particular word that is very key, and that's the word discipline. Discipline is very key when it comes to intentions. You know why discipline is very key when it comes to intentions? You have to live intentionally. That's how life is supposed to be lived. By design, not by default. You know, when you buy every gadget, you buy and there's default setting. Then you start to tweak with default setting so that you can put your own setting, how it works for you. I don't know if you're getting what I'm saying. Yeah. When I got the car I drive now, one of the things I noticed there is that the car has, I think, about two or three memories for the driver's seat where you can lock in the sitting position that you like. And I said, since I'm the owner, number one memory, when I press one, and I told my PA, anytime you drive my car and you park it, before you lock the car, press one. I don't want to enter my car and be trying to adjust my seat. That's the adjusted position. It's locked in one. Yeah. And if it's my wife, you know, I, I couldn't tell her that. <laughs> so she would drive my car and just park it. I'll enter and just press one. The moment I open the door and press one, my seat is adjusted to the way I like it. That's intentional living. As simple as that example is, that's intentional living. A lot of us have phones in our hands. When you got your phone, it was default setting. Yeah. But then you try to change how time looks. Whether you want it circular or you want it digital uh, you know, way of showing time or you want to see the hand of the clock. You're used to the one you have in your father's house. You know, the phone gives you all the different ways. Am I saying the truth? Yeah, yeah you can change how. That's when you take it away from default setting into intentionality. What works for you? Now, I said... When it comes to intentions and intentionality, the key word is discipline. This is my definition of discipline. 
Write it down. Intentional suffering. That's the definition of discipline. That I intentionally decide that this is what's going to happen. Discipline, in the true sense of it, is intentional suffering. You cannot order your inner world or inner life without intentional suffering. Because that's real discipline. First Corinthians chapter 9, verse 26 and 27. Therefore, I run, I run thus, not with uncertainty. I fight, not as the one that beats the hair, but I discipline. Verse 27 of 1 Corinthians 9, it says, But I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. This was the great apostle Paul writing. I'm talking about intentionality in ordering your inner world. Intentionality in ordering your inner world. That real discipline is intentional suffering. said, I discipline my body. I bring it into subjection. Somebody is listening to me right now. Perhaps there's nothing they're going to say about this 40-day fast that will make you participate. Yeah. Because you have not signed off, signed on to intentional suffering. You don't know anything about discipline. Spiritual discipline of fasting is not for God. It's for human beings. Your fast cannot change God. God is Alpha and Omega. He has been before you were born. After you are gone, he will still be in existence. Your small 40 days fast is not for God. It's for you so that you can grow in your faith. That step of faith is what can then move God in your direction. But that your fasting will change God. It doesn't change God. God is the same today, yesterday, and forever. And his principles are sure. But when God starts to see it's like a child that is struggling, seeing other people walking, and also wants to walk. If you're a parent, like I parented two girls, one is 13 and another one 11 right now, and I've seen all these things happen. If you are a parent and you see your boy or your girl trying to lift a leg, what you do is you hold them up and you try to help them to do it small, small. And after a while, they practice it again. That's what fasting does to you. When God sees your heart taking responsibility for your personal spiritual development, trying to ignore food for the sake of meditating on the word or praying or just saying, my life is not about food. Yeah. Food for the belly, belly for the food. Bible says all of them will perish one day. Yeah. To say, I can do without it. Nobody has skipped breakfast and lunch and died before. Because what we call Christian fasting is just about skipping breakfast and lunch. Am I saying the truth? Because some people, you imagine you hear fasting, your life is threatened. <laughs> yeah. Just like your life is threatened. You, you start to sweat. <laughs> or just fidget. But real discipline is intentional suffering. Yeah. That with all intent, I want to put my body under. With all intent, I want to do something differently. That's real discipline. You must be disciplined to grow in the following areas. Can you put that that, that on for me? Yeah. In the mind, the body, emotions, financial boundaries, sabbatine, which is taking our time to rest, 
Yeah? I announced to them before I left church that this week, anybody that calls me, the call will enter a voice message. Text message is not going to work because I take time off from tomorrow morning. I've been preaching mostly twice a day since last Sunday till now. This is my third message today. Yeah. From last Sunday, every day. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, till today. Yeah. So to take our time, the Sabbath is inten- has to be intentional. Yeah. So you have to be able to discipline yourself in all those areas. In helping, in generosity, in obscurity when you have to hide yourself and allow yourself to be shielded. And intentional sufferings, like I said. Paul said, don't we have right, like Peter and James, the brother of Jesus, to take to ourselves a believing wife? Yeah. But intentionally, he told himself, maybe I'm better off. And this is going to allow me to do and fulfill my destiny. Paul, the same Paul wrote that, that different kind of Enoch's, man made and God made. He made himself. That's, that's, I mean, that's the height of it, though. I hope you understand what I'm saying. When somebody says, this is how I want to be. But I'm saying that that's to demonstrate how discipline works. In relationships, in mentoring, and in legacy, those are the different areas where it is required that you live a life of discipline. So don't die with a mind that has not been cultivated. And made fruitful. It takes a measure of discipline for you to cultivate your mind. Cultivating your mind will require that you curate the things that enter your mind. You are the curator, the gatekeeper of your mind. Proverbs 4 and 23 that we read say, Guard your heart with all diligence. Yeah. Guard your heart with all diligence. Guard your heart with all diligence. Don't die with a mind that is uncultivated and has not been made fruitful. Learn to take care of your body. Discipline your emotions. Very, very important. Discipline your emotions. I tell myself all the time when I get into situations and I feel maybe I haven't done something where I tell myself, I call my name, God, man, you need to do that better next time. To remind myself that I have the capacity to do something better. Yeah. I have the capacity to do this better. You know, to do this better. Somebody say with me today. Extremely important. Very, very important. You know, there are some things that you don't know you have the capacity for until you are confronted with your ignorance. In engineering, I learn about when we talk about capacity, for instance, for a generator. You have installed capacity, and you have the capacity that you demand per time. So this place runs on a 250 kVA generator. Maybe installed capacity is 260 or 270. But they will tell you not to fire it beyond 230. Because if you fire it beyond 230 consistently, it can wear it out so easily. So if you're firing the generator here and loading it up to 200, that's not bad. 
But if you're loading up to 100 all the time, that means it has install capacity, maybe 260 or 270, like I said. If you load it up to 100, it has idle capacity of 160 kVA consistently. Some people are living with huge idle capacity. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. <clears throat> In Matthew chapter 8, Matthew 18, sorry, Peter had an encounter with Jesus, I think verse 22 or so. Jesus was teaching about forgiveness. And then Peter, you know, is very talkative, sanguine man, went to Jesus after Jesus was teaching about, you know, forgiveness. And he said, Master, how many times should a brother, my brother offend me in one day and I'll forgive? He asked him, is it seven times? As far as it's concerned, he thought that seven times was his installed capacity. That any coconut that, is, that, that should offend me beyond seven times. I get my permission from Jesus today. After seven times, I'll slap you. <laughs> yeah. that, was, that was his thought. Yeah. I, 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 I can't go beyond that. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but 70 times seven. Jesus said, your installed capacity is 70 times seven. Yeah. That is 490 times. When it takes a complete, even a madman cannot do 490 times in a day. You know? Whoever can, can offend you 490 times a day is not a human being. He's a demon. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But Jesus communicated something to him. He said, this is your installed capacity for forgiveness. It's 490. Yeah. Per person, per day. Because we're talking about one person. Let's be scientific about it. It's per person, per day. Yeah. And he said, if people are offending you per person, Pastor Idris, Pastor Busola, both of them conspired together to be offending me, until Pastor Idris' own is 490, and Busola 490, under God, I've not exhausted my installed capacity to forgive them. Are you still with me? Very, very important because you need to understand that. Until you understand that, you will not reckon with the fact that you can still do a lot more to put your body under. Intentional suffering. That's what I call discipline, like I said. And it's something to embrace. Number three is connection. The time is running out. Can you go back to the first slide? First slide. First slide. Quickly, if you can. The slide that has my diagram. Yeah. Ordering your inner world. We've talked about memory. We've talked about intentions. I want to talk about connections. Connections. Can you put a second slide that has a diagram? Let's talk about connections quickly. Then I'll, I'll wrap it up with imagination. Look at that. This is your community. Your God-given, God-ordained community. So, it starts with what I call FFO, family of origin. Yeah. Family of origin. Many of us now, you are finding it difficult to order your inner world because you are you're not sensitive to your connections. You cannot order your inner world except you treat the connections in your life right. And the most important 
if you are here, you are married. Your marriage and your family of origin. By family of origin, I mean your parents and your siblings. Because that's, that's the first connection you know on the face of the heart anyway. Then after you, 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 you've gotten married, you have a marriage. The marriage takes precedence over the capital letter family. In fact, this slide messed my idea up a bit. Because some of these things are supposed to be written. For instance, where you have friend. The first friend is capital F friend. The second friend is just small letter F friends. Yeah, that's how my slide was when I sent it for design. So, sorry about that. All right, so, marriage, family of origin, those are your greatest connection. Then, your family itself, which is second to the marriage. I don't know if you're getting what I'm saying. Yeah. Family of origin, your marriage, then your family. Those are connections that you have to guard jealously and deal with very well. Capital letter, friends. I mean, capital F, friends. So, capital F, friends, you have six to seven people with whom you can talk about everything and anything and vice versa. I'm talking about a recommendation if you want to order your inner world well as per connections. So I've said your marriage is extremely important if you're married. That's the first and foremost thing. If you are not married, your family of origin comes first. If you are married, your marriage first, your family of origin, your marriage first, your family, and then your family of origin, those three things go hand in hand. Those are the relationships that you must nurture with all your strength so that nothing goes wrong there. If you are not married, your family of origin, and then from there, you move to friends. And I said six to seven people to a very large extent, you are cultivating a very great relationship with, with whom you can be vulnerable. Yeah. You know why you need six to seven? In this day and age, people scatter all around the world. Don't be deceived that you can Instagram them or Facebook them, you know all those stuff. You need flesh and blood in certain situations. When, you know, you, know you can use um, um, all these emojis to communicate on a uh, WhatsApp, right? That you are crying. We don't know whether you are crying or not. But when somebody is standing in front of you and see the tears rolling, they know that this, this, this lady needs help. Yeah. You can be sending tears, sending, and somebody is not even responding because they are busy at work. You know, they are in a meeting. You need flesh and blood. That's why you need that number. Because somebody may say, Pastor, just one or two is okay. What happens if the one or two one got a job in Dubai and that one is relocating to Syria alone. Yeah. That's why you need, yeah, five, six, max seven people. Not, not at all times in life, but in aggregation, you say, these are people I can talk to. So, mentor, mentee, you need about three people that you can pour yourself into 
and that pour themselves into you. Yeah. Three to four people that you are pouring yourself into and that, that are pouring themselves into you. Everywhere I go in the world, I talk about my pastor. Pastor Sam Adeyemi. There's one man that God has used to pour himself into me. I have many other mentors. Some I relate with directly, some indirectly through their materials. A, a, a man like Pastor Bill Ibels of Willowkey Community Church in Chicago has poured a lot into my life since I met him in 2007. 11 years now. A lot into my life. Many other people that I relate with. But you, we all need people. We're talking about in, ordering your inner world. You need people that you're pouring into and that are pouring into you. Yeah. I have many people within our church setup that I pour into. But specifically, for all the people who are at the topmost, I mean, on the pastor's board of the Global Elevation Church, the people that I love to pour into, your pastor here, yeah, is one of them. We talk intimate stuff, and I share intimate wisdom on critical issues of life. You need people like that around your life. You can't be a lone ranger in destiny. Yeah. And a free radical on the universe. That's how some people want to exist. Free radical. Say, I'm young. I'm just, yeah. I just want to experience life. Yeah. You know, they said experience is the best teacher. That's if it's not your own. If it's your own, you may not live to tell the story. Yeah. Yeah. Experience is the best teacher if it's not your own. Yeah. The best teacher is to gain experience from other people. A prudent man foresees evil and hides himself. So people will tell you, that place that you are going, don't bother. We have been there. That's, that's, that's the best experience. That's the one you need. Don't go and break your head and now think you want to write a novel or a textbook on how not to break your head. You may not survive that... I don't know if you're getting what I'm saying. That's why you need a mentor. Yeah, that's why you need a mentor. All right? Uh, small health friends. I recommend you need about 175 people. You know a little about them and vice versa. That one you can have as many as possible. Yeah, 175. Yeah. Some of you have 5,000 on Facebook. Why are you laughing? Yeah. But I'm saying people that you know a little about, they know a little about you, they can open doors for you, they can help with small, small things. You can't be vulnerable around them, but at least you know you can you can share small, small things. You can discuss little issues. Yeah. You need plenty. You need between hundred and two hundred of such people. We're talking about real quality connections, and that's what makes life uh, uh, more meaningful. So, co-workers, that's association. The village, that's your neighbor. That you, you don't know them too well, but you live with them. Yeah, you live around them. That's the village that you belong to. Yeah. Strangers. Think about what you can do to bring them happiness. That's what you hold strangers. All these things are very important. Abraham entertained strangers. And eventually, they were angels that God sent to him. You want to order your inner world, you need to know how to treat every connection that God will bring into your life. What you hold strangers is think about what you can do to bring happiness into their lives. You come into a church like this, maybe you're still new around here, you're not familiar with most people, just bring happiness into their life. They're strangers today, they may become your best friend in the future. Yeah. 
Somebody may be a stranger to you today. That may be your husband in another two years from today. Yeah. If you are not thinking of what to do to bring them happiness, it may never happen. That husbanding may never happen. I hope you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. If all you think about all the time is to snub people, you know, think like you are the best thing after sliced bread and just, you know, and just behave, you know, anyhow, you're arrogant and all that. Even to strangers, the Bible says we should entertain. Think of anything that can bring happiness to them. That's what you hold them. And what about enemies? Jesus recommended that you love them. You know you can mismanage your enemies. Yeah. Because enemy is a connection. Just a negative connection. Yeah. And you can mismanage that negative connection. Somebody has already registered as an enemy. Love them. Yeah. Love them. <laughs> I know it's tough. But that's Christianity. The one Jesus brought to us. Love them. If you don't love your enemy, the Bible says when you love them, God himself will call, call, uh, pour coats of fire on them. If you don't want God to be pouring ice water on them because you are not loving them, and, and, and reinvigorate them to do more evil to you, love them. Yeah. Even enemies, you have to manage your connections with them. You want to have a good life and have good emotions that you can sleep at night, First Peter chapter 3 and verse 13. The Bible says, no man can hurt you. Say, tell me who will hurt you. If you are a doer of good. If all you do to people is good, then you can sleep. Yeah. It's bad enough you have enemy. It's a bad thing for you not to be able to sleep. Because you are trying to hurt your enemy. That's how negative emotions come. You know some people, they go to church, not because they love God, but because they are afraid of enemy. Yeah. We, we said now we're having 40 days prayer and fasting. You know the reason why some people pray and fast? Enemy. The only motivator for any spiritual exercise is enemy. That's not Christianity. That's not what Jesus brought. He said, when you pray, pray after this manner. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. It means I'm approaching God in prayer based on the fact that I have known him as my Father. Not because I'm running away from enemy. When you mismanage your connection with your enemy, you get into more trouble. Can you hear me tap your neighbor and say, love your enemy? And if I'm one of them, love me too. Yeah. <laughs> praise God. I said, praise God. Lastly, 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 you know our first stuff, imagination. That's the last one. Yeah. Ordering your inner world. We've said you need to repair your memory. Live intentionally, right? Manage your connections and then work on your imagination. Cultivate your imagination. Vision is seeing things not the way they are, but the way they can be. For you to see things not the way they are, but the way they can be, you need to engage one thing, imagination, positive imagination. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. It takes imagination for you to see an empty plot and see a skyscraper on it. That's vision. Seeing things, not the way they are, but the way they can be. For that to happen, I have to engage a robust imagination. I have to invest into my imagination. You know, one of the 
reasons why you need to expose yourself and be an exposed person. Enjoy a good level of exposure. Even if you, you haven't traveled out of Nigeria before, to spend time on the internet to see New York. You do, you, this day, you don't have to go to New York to see New York. You don't have to go to Paris to see the Eiffel Tower. Yeah. It's called exposure. Every measure of exposure is an investment into my capacity to imagine. <laughs> yeah. It's an investment into my capacity to imagine. There are some things you can't pray for now. Or if you pray and God tells you about them, you won't, you won't understand them because you are not exposed to them. Let me give you an example of what I'm saying. Go to my village and tell someone who has not maybe experienced uh, a water closet before or something like that. And you say, I want to give you a good toilet. You know what the person will be thinking? He will think you are coming to dig a latrine. You know what a latrine is? You may not even know. Yeah. <laughs> That's what, because the best place, the best kind of washroom that the person has ever seen before. That's it. What exposure does to you is that it helps you to interpret the things that God wants to do in your future. So that your imagination becomes more robust. Are you still with me today? Your imagination becomes more robust. You have a more robust imagination. And you are able to interpret what God wants to do in your life. Glory be to Jesus. I said glory be to Jesus. To aspire to greatness, you need both memory and imagination. But you should engage your memory more than your imagination. I mean, work on your memory. As you travel and do that, you are enhancing your capacity to imagine. You know, I've said it before. Memory can keep you in the past. Imagination is what takes you to the future. Deal with the repairing of memory. We've taught that, but also focus on your imagination. So, like I said, the past is past. You can't shape or change it, but the future is still fluid and can be shaped. The future is still fluid. It can be changed. That's why imagination is important. Imagination is more important than memory. Memory will take a lot more work. Imagination is easier. Just close your eyes. That's all. And just imagine. Imagine. Remember the Franklin song, Imagine Me? Yeah. Just imagine. Just close your eyes and just imagine. Imagine a good home. Imagine a great job. Imagine you calling the shot in a big organization. Imagine you at the altar saying, I do. Just imagine. You don't need any sophistication for imagination. You see, all that we're talking about, about memory, repentance, forgiveness, imagination is, is very easy. Just close your eyes. Yeah, just imagine. Just Google a picture. And put it on the wall. I can to look at it. I've used that many times in my life to shape my imagination. I need a good house. I print it out. I look at it very well. And I say all the time, that's the house. That's the house. It's coming closer. It's coming closer. 
And eventually the house comes. Yeah. It comes. When I got married to my wife on our honeymoon, I've shared the story many times. Because God is faithful. I'll share it till Jesus comes. Yeah. We're on honeymoon and we said, let's set a five-year goal. Yeah. For this new marriage and this family. And we started writing our goals. And when we got to a point where property ownership, and we said, we want a house with, within, we want to own a house in Lagos within the first five years of our marriage. I looked at my wife, she looked at me, and we shook our head, and we said, it's possible. And we wrote it there. Yeah. We wrote it there. I'm challenging somebody's faith here. God did it for us. He can do it for you. Yeah. We started imagining it, thinking about it. We didn't know how it was going to happen. But it happened for us. Not because I'm a pastor. Yeah. Because I wasn't even a senior pastor then. I was an associate at Daystar Christian Center. But as time of life will happen to us, we just got back from a trip and my wife's boss called her and said, I saw a house, an estate building. I want to buy into it. And I think you and pastor should think about buying one too. When my wife called me and said, this is what my boss said. I said, you know, when you say, how do you mean? He said, yeah, he said we should buy into it too. That you know, that uh, um, you know, all that the rest is history. My wife was working in a bank there. Yeah, our boss recommended her for a mortgage. She was an assistant manager, a deputy manager then. Recommended her for a mortgage. And they said we should raise this 25 or 30 percent. Gathered all the faith that I had in the universe as at that time. Put everything together, rake every dime home and abroad everything together. She did the same. Yeah. Pour everything. Eventually, we raised the initial deposit. We dropped it. And my wife's boss wrote a recommendation to the MD of the bank on our behalf. There was still, I think, the amount of money that they would be able to give for a level was small and all that. Eventually, they granted the mortgage. Staff mortgage on one side they said they convert the rest to commercial mortgage. The money, they, they, as at that time, my salary was 200,000 naira. The monthly payment for the mortgage, the commercial side, was 200,000. So I looked at my wife. I said, I can pay. So far, you're not going to ask me for anything again. <laughs> and we sat together. That was how we calculated. And I said, see, as I collect my salary, I remove the tight. Huh? Remove the tight. I will look for more money, join, and pay. Simple. In fact, I think she was the one adding the rest when I removed the 20K tight. Because I transferred it to her. And then, that was how we were paying the mortgage. I'm telling you the truth. I'm living on my initial, you know, savings. I think I had to liquidate some shares or something over a period of... But you know the truth? You know the truth? That mortgage was paid up in four years. The story I just told you now was 2007. Yeah. In fact, less than that, sir. Because by 2010, the mortgage was paid off. And it was a 30 million naira mortgage. But the dream, you know, I told you so that you don't think it was magic. We walked the process. Because we wrote something down and we captured it in our imagination and we followed through with it. Young people, listen to me. Ephesians 3 and verse 20 was not written to tantalize you. It was God's intention. 
Now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly, far and above what you can ask, NIV says, or imagine. This one says, or you think according to the power that's at work within him. Yeah. That house was paid off. Five bedroom house in Bagada. We own it today. I have a tenant there. I collect rent. And God has blessed us with more after then. Because in some areas of life, you just need to put your first foot. Yeah. The moment the first one happened, another one will happen. Then another one will happen. And then you master it. And then you can own real estate, any part of the world that you like. That's the realm I'm going into. Now, if you like, envy me. But that's the realm I'm going into. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Glory be to Jesus. I said, glory be to Jesus. Tell your neighbor, work on your imagination. Make it robust. Expose yourself to good things, to the things in your future, to the places you want to go, to the place where you want to be. Bring it into today through your imagination. Order your inner world and you'll be able to manage your emotions. You see, if you work on your imagination very well, when the devil wants to sink you into a mood, you see your wedding day by imagination. And joy will just start to come into your heart. Yeah. And then before you know it, the kind of dance that you want to dance that day. That's how you come out of it. That's how you come out of it. Yeah. That's how you come out of it. You just see yourself doing. Before you know it, joy comes back into your heart. Is somebody committed to ordering your inner world? I said, are you committed to ordering your inner world? Lift your two hands to Jesus. And just tell him, Lord, take charge of my heart. I submit it completely to you. I submit it completely to you. I submit it completely to you. Will somebody pray? I don't know which part of this resonates with you the most. Whether it's intentional living. Whether it's, you know, repairing your memory. Maybe that's what resonates with you the most. Maybe it's managing the connections that God is bringing into your life. Whatever it is, I want you to lift it up in prayer right now. And just ask God... Give me grace. I want to do this better. I don't want to leave. Anyhow. I want to live by design, not by default. I want to change default settings in my life. So that I can engage intentional living. Somebody needs to make a commitment to, to, to be a part of the, the prayer and fasting that is going on. Someone needs to make a commitment to join a small group as the new small groups will be starting. Because you want to be in charge of the connections in your life. And you want new connections. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we bless your name. Wave your hands to him all over this place and just bless him. I have two prayers to pray this afternoon before I take my seat. For the first one, it's about people who need to make a decision. Just for the privacy of the moment, can I ask that we all bow down our heads? Some people here need to make a decision. That decision may be to give your life to Jesus or to rededicate your life to Jesus. You need to give your life to Jesus if you know 
that you are far away from God and you have never at any time accepted Christ as your Lord and personal Savior. He's the one that gives us the power to start to order our inner world. The second decision is if you have said that prayer before but you know you backslid into sin and you want to rededicate your life to Jesus. You also need to make a decision today and trust God to come into your life. If you're you're saying any of this prayer with me, while all else are bowed, can I request that you lift your right hand a bit above your head? Let me know that you're saying the prayer with me. Let me know that you're saying the prayer with me. Thank you. Thank you, my sister. Thank you, my brother. Just lift your right hand above your head. Let me know that you're saying this prayer with me. God wants to take hold with you to help you to order your inner world. And the only way to do that is to submit your life to him. He wants to take the driver's seat in your life. He wants to take the driver's seat in your life. And it's only when you yield that seat to him that he will take it. If your hand is up, can you stand by your chair right there? Let me just pray with you. Just where you are. Just stand. Just stand. Thank you for standing. Just stand. Stand by your chair right there and let's pray together. As you stand, you're standing for Jesus today. God will stand with you the rest of your life. He will continue to stand with you the rest of your life. You'll never be the same again never be the same again. He will continue to stand with you the rest of your life. If God is touching your heart, I want you to stand right now and join the people standing. This is an auspicious moment. God is transforming lives here. God is transforming lives here. Just stand and join the people standing. Something new is starting in the life of everyone standing today. Saying yes to Jesus. Here I am rededicating my life to you. Here I am submitting my life to you. If you are standing, I want to say after me, say, Lord Jesus, I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. I cannot save myself. So I come to you today with a repentant heart. Save my soul. Take control of my life. Help me to order my inner world from this moment forward. I completely, totally surrender my life to you. Be my Lord. Be my Savior for the rest of my life. I'm making a decision today to honor you with my life. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for accepting me. Let me pray for you. Lord Jesus, I thank you for everyone standing. I receive grace over them. I decree that the hold of sin is broken over their lives. I ask that you fill their heart with your spirit. Spirit of the living God. Start a new walk in every heart. Let their lives receive a radical transformation from this moment forward. Be with them and be in their heart. Thank you, Father for forgiving our sins today and for receiving your sons and daughters into your kingdom. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. You may have your seat. Have your seat. Have your seat. For everyone who said that prayer with me, you got a card, you got a pack or something, you need to fill it with accurate information. The moment the service is over, we'd love to spend just a few minutes with you, like five to ten minutes max. Life Point Church is a place that you need to be to grow. 
if you don't start to grow in the faith, you're, you're going to go back to living the same way you've been living before. Yeah. If a child is born into our world and the child is not nurtured, the child will die. Because every child needs nurturing. In the spirit, what has happened today is that you have been born into a new world and you need nurturing and support if you are going to survive. If you don't want to go back to a life that doesn't bring honor to God. So I want to encourage you that you take advantage of what we have here at LifePoint Church, the support system that will help you to get stronger in the faith. So the moment the service is over, it will be announced how we will engage with you. And I want you not to rush away, but to embrace it. Praise God. I said praise God. Can I say a last prayer with everyone? Would you be kind enough to stand? Would you be kind enough to stand with me? Glory be to Jesus. Lift your two hands with me if you can. My life is not my own. To you I belong. I give myself. I give myself to you. Sing that song to him. My life is not my own. My life is not my own. To you I belong. Give myself, I give myself, I give myself. My love is not my own. To you I belong. I want you to sing that song consciously from your heart. I give myself away. I give myself. Lord, in the name of Jesus, we release ourselves to you today. We ask that you help us to order our inner world, that you may use us. We break the hold of confusion over every life here present. I decree that hearts are open for the supply of the Spirit of God. As we go into a new week and into a new month, I declare in the name of Jesus that my God orders your steps to be at the right place at the right time. You will be with the right people discussing the right things. Your life will gain unusual motion in the right direction. 
in the name of the Lord Jesus. Anything that is going down, I decree today, will start to go up. In the name of the Lord Jesus. For everyone here, anyone who may be under the burden of negative emotions. The Bible says that when we come to his presence, there's joy in his presence. It gives beauty for ashes and the oil of joy for mourning and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. So I bind the spirit of heaviness. I command you, go in the name of Jesus. I command the release of the oil of joy over every heart here present. What made you cry before you came here? When you remember it, it will bring smile to your face. Receive grace for gratitude. Receive grace for thanksgiving. Receive a new song in the midnight hour. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Whatever doors have been closed against anyone here, I command as you go into this new week, it's your week of open doors. I said it's your week of open doors. Unusual source of financing for, pro for projects. Your projects will no longer suffer delays. In the name of the Lord Jesus, I pray the opening of heavens over your business, over your careers. In the name of Jesus, the opening of heavens over your academics. You will understand concepts. You will be able to apply them correctly. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Father, we thank you. We bless you. And we give you praise. In the name of Jesus. And all who believe, shall they believe in amen? amen. Thank you for listening to a message from the LifePoint Church. To download more free messages, please visit www.soundcloud.com forward slash LifePointNG.